0: 2001. I wonder what sort of a life would it be like in social terms. I mean, if our whole life is built around the computer, do we become a computer-dependent society and a computer-dependent individuals? In some ways, but they'll also enrich our
1: society because it'll make it possible for us to live really anywhere we like. Any businessman and executive could live almost anywhere on Earth. And still do his
0: business through a device like this. And this is a wonderful thing. It means we want to be stuck in cities. We better live out in, in the country or oh, wherever we please.
1: Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is the FAMO Show.
0: I'm Matt I'm Joe. And this is a fortnightly podcast where we talk about the exciting ideas changing the world today and what might change the world tomorrow.
1: We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing out.
0: You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your platform of choice.
1: Everything in the show is in the show notes. You can find links to the stuff we're talking about and timestamps for the relevant parts so you can always skip ahead or find it later. So this episode, we're going to be covering a bunch of news. There are a few different really cool things that have been coming out recently.
0: Uh, We're going to be running through that. We're also going to be highlighting one of the most interesting games, uh, which I've been playing recently. And uh, yeah, you'll find out more when we talk about it.
1: Mm. And it's still not fully released yet. No,
0: no, nowhere Uh, near. But um, it's already blowing my mind.
1: And in our privacy and security section, we're going to be covering camera covers.
0: Yeah, it'll just be a really simple tip for privacy and security this week.
1: Mm. Hey, so what have you been up to the last couple of weeks?
0: Uh, Well, I uh, finally finished the AA bill article, which I've been working on. We covered the AA bill, which is Australia's new surveillance uh, law, which basically affects everyone in Mm. the world. Um, I recently, and we covered that back in episode 34. And I said, there's an article coming. It took me a little bit longer than I thought it would, but I uh, finally got it out. So it ended up being about a 35-minute read. Mm. I think that's what Medium told me it was, about a 35-minute minute read. Uh, but it goes into the assistance and access bill in a lot more depth than what we went into on the podcast. Yeah, um, I've also been playing Star Citizen, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit later mm. in the show. It's insane. It's, um, so it's a
1: technologically... Im- Massively impressive game.
0: Completely crowdfunded too. It's just gotten to the point now where it's really starting to be very playable and, mm. and, and, and incredible in its scope. So,
1: And yeah. even if you're not into gaming, it's going to be worth a listen because there's a lot of really cool little things in there.
0: Tech, tech generally leads through gaming first and then trickles down to everything else so yeah we'll talk about all that later on um, but that's what I've been up to so what have you been up to?
1: Mate, I've been working I've just I've finished moving house I still haven't got internet it's been one week two days three hours um, <laughs> but you know I'm I'm still here
0: uh, yeah I need internet so hard mm-hmm. man but this
1: week's edit will probably be quite quick because there'll be no distractions
0: yeah Have you been tethering off your phone? I have indeed. I've
1: re topped up my phone because I'm on pay as you go. I'm now being taken to the bank for using all my data.
0: So, (laughs) yeah. That's me,
1: yeah. Um, And then just working. Um, So, yeah, been good.
0: Yeah, good. Little quick bit of disclosure this podcast is not investment or any other type of advice.
1: We're not saying you should buy anything at all.
0: Yeah, so full disclosure, we're both personally invested in different shares, funds, cryptocurrencies, some of which we talk about on this show. But if we talk about any type of investment, it doesn't mean that you should buy into it.
1: So do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose, and most of all, avoid the fear of missing out.
0: So if you're new around here and new to blockchain and cryptocurrency, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts from episode two and continues on until about episode eight.
1: It'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about.
0: Let's jump into the news. Cool. So first piece in the news, uh, zoom and focus. They're two familiar video features that we all take for granted, but Nokia are trying to bring these things to the audio world.
1: Yeah. So imagine taking photos or videos without the ability to zoom or focus. Now... Nokia says that audio recording should have the same tools.
0: Yeah, so the product was demonstrated at this year's CES, so the Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah. In Las Vegas. It's expected to be available for their smartphones later this year.
1: So, this is software, which um, he, he uses the two microphones on your um, phone, and the software needs to know the exact f- location of these microphones in 3D space. And what they. So, it's not for audio after the event it's when you're recording audio you can tap on a part of the scene like a moving object or something that's there and it will record the audio from that space by sort of wow. like triangulating i guess you call it biangulating all over the two microphones Yeah. so yeah you can follow things around now I think it originally came from like a 360 camera project and um, Nokia started, but they dropped the camera, but they kept this audio software. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they've cool.
0: said that the technology will be quietly moving into mobile devices from other manufacturers this year as well. So, it won't just be limited to Nokia, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible technology when you think about it. The fact that you can hone in on a certain part of a scene mm. and say, I, w- I just want audio from there. yeah. And you can get it.
1: Crazy. Yeah, Absolutely it's crazy. So, yeah, you could zoom in on a particular sound like a bird singing or someone talking. So, you know, sitting, sitting in a cafe and you want to snoop on a conversation, you disgust me, but that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess you could also look at it from, yeah, let's say you're filming a, a podcast like we do, but yeah. you've got video as well. Yeah. And you might have an interview with four or five people there in well, the room. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. might just be able to select the different, Parts of the room you want the sounds to come yeah. from at different at different points instead of having to edit everything out mm. there's there's a lot of use cases for it that we probably don't even really think about yet, but will probably come to fruition
1: when you listen to a lot of these big YouTube channels when they're giving tips on how they make their YouTube channel, the consistent theme is you can have the best video in the world, but if your audio isn't good, the whole thing you know people quit yeah and so getting the audio right is actually really important mm. and Nokia are picking a space that not not many people are really looking at
0: now it's something that people hadn't really thought about I guess outside maybe the intelligence world it's mm. not really anything you'd normally think about and I, I can see the technology being used in a number of other ways down the track so mm. I don't think it'll just be limited to smartphones I mm. think Down the line, we'll probably be pairing this to other types of cameras and hooking Mm. them in with microphones. And I can see it being used pretty widely.
1: Wow, yeah. Really powerful, really cool. Um, So, yeah, there's that.
0: So, next bit of news, IBM has revealed its first commercial quantum computer.
1: So, CES, lots of news came out of this um, Out of this con- conference. This is one of our
0: favourite times of the year. Yeah. Oh, mate. <laughs> well, um,
1: but yeah, IBM revealed their first commercially available quantum computer. Um, it's a 20-qubit hybrid system capable of quantum and computer conventional computing operations.
0: So if you remember back in May of 2016, IBM announced a five-qubit system. And in 2017, they unveiled a 17-qubit system and announced a working 50-qubit system. So this new release isn't really as powerful as what they have access to internally, but that is generally the case when you take something from Mm. internal testing where you can control everything and you can make it as big as you want to commercial where you have to package it up and give it to clients and put mm-hmm. it out in the wild.
1: So it's not just a quantum computer. So you don't have to be a well. It's not just for extreme mathematicians. It's also it also works together like as a classical regular computer as well. So it's aimed at academic or business applications. So pharmaceuticals for fi- discovering drugs or AI developers or f- insurers things like that. Um, and yeah, you can. It's allowed outside of their facility if you look at it. Looks really, really cool. I think they actually got a... Yeah, so there's there's a description on how it looks. And how dope does this sound?
0: Yeah, so it says the main computer is housed within a nine-foot-tall, nine-foot-wide case of half-inch thick borosilicate glass, forming a sealed, airtight enclosure which has been designed by leading design firms including Milan-based Gopion. But the housing is not only about design. The casing is vital to the quantum operation where cryogenic engineering is required to deliver a continuous cold and isolated quantum environment. Within the device, high-precision electronics in compact form work to tightly control large numbers of qubits.
1: Yeah, so other tech firms are developing um, quantum computers as well. Intel Intel is working on a 49 qubit chip. Google's designing a 72 qubit system, this is according to TechCrunch. Um, and Microsoft is hoping to create a Topological quantum computer, not that I have any idea what that means. <laughs>
0: um,
1: topological, isn't that mapping or something? Yeah,
0: it is mapping, yes. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Th- things get really weird with quantum, and it's probably a good time. This all sounds really cool, but it is probably good for us to step back for a second and, and discuss what the big deal is with quantum computing. And I do believe we touched on it way back in a very early episode, but... Um, but we've got a description from TechCrunch, which is, which is quite good.
1: Yeah, so um, they said that a quantum computer is entirely different from regular computers. And the reason it's quantum is that it doesn't use binary logic. Um, by its nature, uh, a quantum computer is a yes, no, or both device. So when you're a developer and you make a logical choice, you're not limited by if this, then that. You can actually do if this, then that, or both which leads to a massive number of possibilities and makes all the difference in the world when it comes to calculations. Um,
0: Yeah, Yeah, so there's several instances where binary computers can't really solve problems the way we'd like to. When asked to solve a problem where every answer is equally likely, a binary computer has to take the time to individually assess each possibility. So it's like when you're at a a restaurant. Let's say you've gone to a really expensive restaurant and you're having a seven-course meal. Mm-hmm. That meal wouldn't come out to you all at the same time. You know, you get yeah. one at a time. So, yeah, they'd, oh, yeah, yeah. they'd say, here's your entree, here's your, um, here's your starter, here's your main, here's your dessert, here's your blah, blah, blah. Seven different meals. But a quantum – and that's kind of like what a binary computer is like. It, you have to investigate each and every possibility one after another and you kind of run down the, the run sheet of different types of programs but with a quantum computer it's kind of like you're at a restaurant and they say we're going to bring it all out to you at the same time a quantum computer would look at a really long program which might take a binary computer 30 minutes to process and it would say well I can process this all at the same time wow which is really powerful. That's crazy.
1: There are a few different applications that are being looked at. I mean, there's the quantum internet of the future being built with Chinese researchers. Um, Now, there were recent breakthroughs, like in 2017, I think. Um, There was the first ever space-based video call secured by quantum encryption, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, the the scary flip side is, theoretically, a quantum computer could crack 128-bit encryption almost instantly if it was given the same resources of computing power as a binary system for example Mm. so it's gonna. It's incredibly powerful in its complexity.
0: The best way to look at the change quantum computing represents, TechCrunch says, is to compare it to binary computing in the exact same way you would compare the iPhone X's capabilities with those of a Timex calculator watch from the 1980s.
1: Apparently, at 100 qubits, a single quantum computer processor would theoretically be more powerful than all the supercomputers in the planet combined.
0: One of the biggest takeaways from quantum computing in what's been talked about for the last couple of years and what it can do is that it potentially creates some huge security risks because what they say is well, you can take these classical encryption mechanisms we have like 128 bit, 256 bit and there's different algorithms that run that and the, the reason they're so good is because with a binary computer system you have to run through all the different permutations mm, one after mm. another and so it might take you, I don't know, millions and millions of years to successfully crack a 256-bit uh, encrypted system, mm. just brute forcing it, but with a quantum computer, because you can look at all the possibilities at the exact same time, just if you've got enough power, it. Um, it you just you can almost instantly find the solution, and away you go.
1: So it's the keys to the castle. The it way.
0: really is. Yeah.
1: So I guess that in 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 a sense for cryptography means that cryptographic protocols or cryptographic methods. Mm. Probably, like, they're not cheap to come up with and they're very, very smart people who do it, but it sounds like there's actually a need to get even stronger encryption. Yeah,
0: yeah and, and, and we don't really know what that will look like because if you have to encrypt something using a quantum computer, um, what, what's the process for that? You know, mm. what, what algorithm do you use? Can you even come up with an algorithm that can be the shield against the quantum computer sword? Mm. Or does it just mean that encryption's done for? Mm. These are questions that no one really knows the answer to. And it's and 10 years ago or even five years ago, it was just theory. You know, people were like, oh, well, sometime off in the distance, we'll have to deal with that problem. But it was kind of assumed that it might be 20 years, 30 mm. years. But Google, IBM, Microsoft, they're all pushing for this as much as they possibly can. And it may be that we have to ask these questions in two years.
1: Is that power already available.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing we don't know. And then you, then you look at cryptocurrency and you have, because Bitcoin's secured with, I think a 256, SHA-256, and there's some other algorithm that, one's the hashing algorithm, the other one's the actual security algorithm. And I can't remember which is which off the top of my head, um, but there's a, a real fear there that these quantum computers may be able to start reverse engineering private keys. Mm. from the public keys that are facing the the, wow. the net. And then if, if they can do that, then what's the value of the network would basically drop to zero. If it can be breached and anyone's private key can be reverse engineered, then no one's safe and you could quite easily target the main addresses and get their private keys and empty their wallet. Jeez.
1: So well, for the time being, I guess, quantum computers would be applied against military encryption. Yep. Give it a small amount of time and the fact that you can rent some time off IBMs. I think mm. you get a second a day for free or something if quantum can be power. Yeah.
0: Give it time. Which doesn't sound like much, but if you're talking about quantum computing, right. it could be all you need mm. with the right level of power. It's quite scary, really.
1: Mm. Um, I feel like I should just become a neo-luddite and just move to the woods. You know? <laughs> Not the, no, there are too many snakes in the woods and stuff here, man. Oh, I can't even go to the woods anymore. Hey, you found this piece on um, physics, phys.org. Artificial intelligence detects the presence of viruses.
0: So to understand it, you really have to understand how this concept called biosensing works. And we'll try and make this uh, as as least dense as possible. So the article says that many biosensing applications rely on characterization of specific analytes, such as proteins, viruses, bacteria, among many other targets... Which can be accomplished using micro or nanoscale particles.
1: Basically the particles on these like proteins, viruses, and bacteria, they're they're coated with a surface chemistry. Mm-hmm. So they form clusters and the the higher the concentration of these these particles are, the larger the number of clusters. So if you monitor and characterize these clusters, it can tell you if that particle is present in a sample and in what kind of concentration on a very simple level. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and current methods which kind of pre- analyse these things are limited because they're either only capable of a coarse readout or rely on really expensive and bulky microscopes. So they have to be done in a, a very specialised lab. Essentially,
1: So UCLA researchers have come to the rescue and they've developed a rapid and automated biosensing method based on holography. So that's a photographic recording of a light field. Um, and they've coupled that with deep learning.
0: So in this system, all the particle clusters and individual microparticles, they image them on... Uh, in 3D as holograms all at the same time. And they cover a really large sample area. So in this system, everything's imaged in 3D as holograms all at the same time. And it's an image in a really large area as well. And actually say it's about 10 times larger than the imaging area of a standard optical microscope. So they're able to get a way bigger sample size.
1: And after that, a trained deep neural network processes these holograms and it rapidly reconstructs them into images Of those clusters, um, similar to what you could get with a regular scanning microscope, like really expensive, doing this faster and for a much larger sample volume.
0: So during all that, all those particle clusters at the micro scale are automatically counted with a sensitivity similar to a laboratory-grade microscope. So you're essentially getting the best or even better of... Both previous worlds.
1: Yeah, they made a proof of concept and they successfully demonstrated the application of that to detect herpes simplex virus, HSV. And they achieved a detection limit of about five viruses per microliter, which provides what they say is a clinically relevant level of sensitivity for HSV detection.
0: Yeah, and HSV is one of the most widespread viral infections and it's estimated to have affected more than 50% of the adults in the US. But if you've ever seen these, um, if you ever get a blood test or anything, they'll generally give you a whole bunch of different test results and they'll have these like microliter markers on them and generally they'll have to spend a whole bunch of time looking at this stuff. They're not that accurate, they're very expensive, but this is just and it's not just limited to HSV obviously it's a proof of concept demonstrating that they've found a way to rapidly image and scan for a lot of these diseases in a in a far wider broader and easier way than they've previously done which could have some really really big Consequences. So you can imagine the benefits. I mean, if they could, for example, commercialize these sensors, put them in somewhere in a city, and you could, I don't know, pay a micro payment while you walk under it to have it read you for potential cancers, or you go to a doctor and you could get a virtual checkup from their their imaging machine, get an automatic diagnosis, and only if something's wrong would you need to actually go in and see the doctor. Ah. So, next bit of news uh, Earth's magnetic field is acting up, and geologists don't know why.
1: So, yeah, um, a Slashdot user quoted a piece from Nature, which said something strange is going on at the top of the world. Earth's North Magnetic Pole has been skittering away from Canada and towards Siberia, driven by liquid iron sloshing within the planet's core. Now, the magnetic pole is moving so quickly that it's forced the world's geomagnetism experts into a rare move.
0: The geomagnetic experts are set to update the world magnetic model, which describes the planet's magnetic field and underlies all modern navigation from the systems that see ships at sea to Google Maps on smartphones. So the most recent version of the model came out in 2015 and was supposed to last until 2020. But the magnetic field is changing so rapidly now that researchers have said, well, we we have to fix this or everything's going to be thrown completely out of whack.
1: Mm, And they said that, yeah, the error is increasing all the time. And um, and yeah, by early 2018, the model was actually in trouble. And yeah, they ha- they've been doing an annual check, realised it was so inaccurate, it was about to exceed the acceptable limit for navigational errors.
0: Yeah, so I, I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of guidance in this article on what's actually causing it to shift so rapidly, apart from the fact that it's liquid metal sloshing around in the world, but it's so funny because you go to school and you you hear the teacher talk about the north pole and the south pole and in your head you just picture like a like, I guess a, a real pole it's like stuck uh, in the ground it's like this is it you know this uh, is the north pole yeah. the south pole but yeah. it's incredible that it can move and it can move so rapidly to mm. the extent that they actually have to say okay everyone this is getting dangerous if we don't update this so we need to update the entire model because it's not mm. just like keeping track of where the pole is as a whole bunch of systems and algorithms that are built on this.
1: It's kind of interesting just to... There's a whole lot of stuff that's going on that we have no idea about how it yeah, works. Wow. And it's right underneath us.
0: Yeah. And I mean, imagine having to build this algorithm too because you wouldn't just be able to go and say, okay, we need you to build this... What do they call it? The, uh, the world magnetic model. You wouldn't just be able to go to a, a, a developer and say, we need you to build this model and here's north. You'd have to say, okay, so... We need you to build this model, but you need to account for the fact that Magnetic North could shift by, like, hundreds of kilometres in a few years, and you need to make sure that all of our navigation still works and works well.
1: Magnets are one of the coolest things that we just... You wonder how they discovered these things. Mm. Like, what, someone floats a piece of iron on a log, and it just keeps rotating the log or something, and then they're like, ah, it keeps pointing the same way, and then... (laughs) no matter if we go to the other side of the country and try the same it's crazy
0: yeah it's it's incredible that something so far away i mean on a galactic scale it's mm. it's basically you know right next door but but for us here on earth something that's so far away you know we're sitting here in australia right now but something that's way up the top of the earth or way down the bottom of the earth can move a piece of metal that we have like in a little compass here like thousands of kilometres away.
1: Mm. Yeah. And like, if you think we discovered that by accident, what else is there we haven't discovered yet? That's right. We got fire, we've got magnets. What's mm. next? Subscribe to the FOMO show. That's we have right. no idea either. <laughs> this is really, really cool. Delivery drones are using bird inspired legs to jump in the into the air.
0: Yes, this is a piece out of Spectrum, and uh, a South African startup called Passerine or Passerine has an interesting idea, which is to do what birds do: use wings to fly efficiently while relying on legs and feet for takeoff and landing of drones.
1: So, there are some pictures in the article which are worth checking out because it's sort of like a, it's like a small cargo plane, sort of tipped back a little bit, but the wing is on top of the craft. And then the engines are on top of the wing, mm. which is an unusual sort of mechanism. But, um, yeah, look at the pictures. And then there are these, like, yeah, bird-like legs. Because
0: it, it doesn't look like a normal drone, does it? Like, most drones you see are kind of the helicopter style. they got the propellers. They're on the side. This is more like, a, I guess, a UAV. Yeah. You see UAVs before that the that the military uses? Yeah. It's, it's kind of looks a bit more like a, a real plane.
1: And, um, yeah, so it's a fixed-wing drone. And these over-wing engines create what's called a blown wing, where the engine exhaust passes over the top of the wing and over a portion of the wing flaps. So the, the forced high speed air um, generates a massive amount of lift, two or three times the lift of a conventional wing. And since the air is coming directly from the engines, you get the lift, even if the aircraft isn't moving very much. So what that means um, is that you can actually, you can jump up with these legs and then put a massive amount of draft. So you don't actually need a, a long runway. Yeah. Um, which is actually really a cool idea.
0: So it's a lot closer to like a vertical takeoff and landing then. Mm-hmm. So the, the blown wings that the air, the drone has uh, can't lift the aircraft off the ground by themselves, which is where the legs come in. So you can think of the legs sort of like... Self contained and reuse uh, like a self contained and reusable catapult system mm. that the drone carries with it. So they're spring loaded and they provide the majority, about 80% of the energy required for takeoff. Wow.
1: And then, yeah, after takeoff, they retract into the fairings so they don't cause drag. And yeah, it flies just like any other fixed wing aircraft. And once it gets to the destination, the legs are used in reverse. So it slows down, the drone slows as much as possible, extends its legs, and then uses them as shock absorbers. Wow.
0: So, what this means is that you can have all the advantages of a fixed wing drone, which is payload, speed, range, and efficiency, along with the pinpoint landing capabilities of rotorcraft, which is like the drones that we see around the commercial drones. Um, but you don't have to compromise with some sort of hybrid design. So, the Sparrow can't hover like a rotorcraft does, uh, which is a slight limitation on the missions it's able to perform so I might be ideal for camera work for example but mm. that's okay because they've got their eye on deliveries really that's the thing they're targeting all these different deliveries especially with that, what amazon is starting mm. to do mm. with their delivery system and uh and the big thing about those deliveries is that the rotorcraft which they're using now don't have a very long range they don't have a big payload and they don't have great speeds but what this can do is, it will allow a lot bigger payload, range, and speed. But they're, but it'll be able to take off and land. On a lot less than a conventional drone.
1: Now this is really interesting because I was when I was driving across the across Australia, um, I was I was I was chatting with my girlfriend who was in the car, and we were talking about how it would be really cool to get drones for the po- remote post offices, yeah, so they could get post out faster to these remote places. Yeah, I say remote these country places in Australia. Yeah, I think, and we were chatting. You know, what do you get? Do you get a drone that has to sort of land on the on the tar- regular roads or something like that, and then you need a bit of takeoff, and then you could take all the parcels, and it wouldn't cost too much. la, la, la. But then something like this actually solves all the problems because we're, you know, we're thinking like, oh, how many of these places are actually going to have a runway or amount of road that you could mm. take off and land on? Yeah. You could actually land in the, you know, on the back of the post yeah. office.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you'd be using a lot less fuel than the trucks they send out there or the cars. Yeah. Uh, they can operate autonomously. And it reminds me as well of, there was an article, I can't remember whether you mentioned it on the podcast or not, but there was an article about a year and a half ago by a guy named Nathan Waters, I think, and he wrote this article about the, a city of the future, essentially. Oh, yeah. And you remember yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was talking about how you could have these... Uh, shipping containers oh, and they can run yeah. around on electronic drive trains mm. and, um, you know, they pick you up from the airport and it'd be a self-contained hotel and it could just, you know, automatically take you to a beach resort somewhere and the beach resort would be like a, essentially like a Lego, it'd this big frame that picks up these containers and drops them into the view. Incredible article, but in that article, he talked about the fact that while you're driving, sitting in your little self-contained hotel relaxing after you got off your flight yeah. and it's taking you to your destination. It could have a little flap in the roof where let's say you order Uber Eats or something, the drone could just hover above, drop the food in, and uh yeah. and take off again. And you've got <sighs> delivery on the go. Mate. And uh before, with the rotorcraft or the conventional drones, that kind of thing probably seemed a lot further away because yeah. th- these these, con- these rotorcraft just don't have that much distance and they can't carry a yeah, lot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. this, I can see why these guys are targeting delivery drones so much because that kind of stuff probably isn't too far away either. And it means that they can match speed, they can do all sorts of different things and they'll have a lot more range. They'll be able to land a lot more flexibly but then take off again too, mm. pretty much straight away. So,
1: which that's the thing is, is, is if logistics are just moving to heavy objects, you know, post is like letters are going to be less, parcels are going to be more. It's just exact. it's really cool.
0: And they go 24 7 too. That's the thing about drones. It's not uh, post, you, you can only have a human driver has to drive at oh. a certain time. Um, there's all sorts of restrictions, but these drones. Can operate very autonomously. They run on GPS. Yeah, I, I, I can't see a future where we don't have a bunch of these in our skies in the next five or ten years, just doing a whole bunch of the tasks that we um, that we do. Because there's more room in the air.
1: It's true. It's <laughs> like true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Currently,
0: everything has to go by road, and it gets caught up by traffic and yeah. blah blah blah. But there's more room in the air.
1: I want to see some field testing. Matt and I are going to watch the video of a takeoff. It's twelve seconds. It's in the article. Check it out. If you're not sold before, have a look at it and it really shows how powerful this actually can be.
0: Dude That's like a frog. Yeah.
1: It's it exactly unreal. like a frog. Imagine a frog, it jumps and then it just goes boom. Yeah.
0: It like so it basically catapults itself forward yeah. and up.
1: Yeah. And then the
0: motor just takes over. That's incredible. And um, it's just We're now watching it slow down.
1: YouTube having slow motion is great oh. Jump, lean oof. so I guess you'd need to like load it properly and make sure it was like balanced out with um yeah. balance your parcels out and stuff, but with enough testing, yeah, that's indoors, and then there's wind to account for and all that, but it will get better. So, Marriott's data breach that we talked about a few episodes ago may be the biggest in history, and now they're facing multiple class action lawsuits.
0: So, Marriott's being sued for allegedly failing to protect more than 300 million guests information from hackers. So more than 150 people who previously stayed in Marriott properties are suing the hotel chain in a federal class action lawsuit, claiming that Marriott didn't do enough to protect them from a data breach that exposed all their personal information, including names, credit card information, and passport numbers. And if you remember from the previous piece, this breach actually occurred before Marriott even acquired the Starwood Hotels, which is where the breach came from. Um, And it started two years before, but when they bought the business, They didn't do any of their due diligence in checking the systems, getting a security audit Mm. of the the Starwood systems. And so the hackers actually stayed in there for another two years. They were in the system four years in total, pulled pretty much all the information they possibly could out of it. And uh, it's it's one of the biggest breaches there's ever been in history.
1: And to think that this is probably just some guy or girl somewhere in some country. It's probably nothing, not some big organized group. Someone just exploited it and they sat on it.
0: They sat on it. It, just, it doesn't seem like it was that hard for them either to sit on it.
1: <laughs> so this class action suit claims that Marriott failed to provide timely, accurate and adequate notice to the guests whose information had been obtained because they'd first disclosed they'd been hacked on November the 30th, but um, yeah, they'd been there a while and they apparently began investigating it in September didn't announce mm. it till December.
0: Yeah, and this is a common trend we're seeing with a lot of these companies where they they find out about these breach breaches and then they sit on it. They don't tell anyone. And it can go for any number of months. There's a number of breaches which haven't been talked about for almost a year after the companies found out about it. But Equifax recently, uh, there's, they're having some issues of their own, some of the executives, because mm. they suspiciously sold their shares. Uh, and it's turned out now that they were guilty of insider trading or they probably will be found guilty of insider trading because they sell their shares a few days before the announcement came out that they'd been hacked.
1: But yeah, hackers obtained unencrypted passport numbers of 5.25 million guests and all you need to do is tie that up with their name and that's right, username and passwords and all that as well as, yeah, 20.3 million encrypted ones so at least they were using some form of encryption. Encrypted debit and credit card numbers were exposed and yeah... Um, but, yeah, it's it's a pretty big thing. But, yeah, cybersecurity experts are saying that the hospitality industry is a, a low-hanging fruit for these hackers mm. because they lack of security policies.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's very hard to, um, to register for hotels or anything in hospitality re- really without – they seem to require a lot of information oh. from you they don't really need. And I've found this because I never give my name – where I don't have to to all of these places. And some places I'd get away with it fine, but other places they'll say, no, we need your license or we need your passport or blah, blah, blah. And there's no need for them to have any of that yeah. data, but it's just a part of their, their process. And I think hopefully this will begin to change some of that and they'll talk to their lawyers or their cybersecurity firms and they'll say, guys, why are you asking for this stuff? You don't need it. You don't need their passport.
1: I mean, yeah, even it's like if you're signing up for a free ebook. Just give them a guerrilla mail or a throwaway email address, and then if that doesn't work, then maybe you'll need to actually give them an actual thing. But
0: yeah, but I've ne- I've never been called out f- on that kind of stuff once for giving fake names. Like I think there's this little there's this little inbuilt part of us. I don't know if it's from our schooling or what it's from, but when you see a form and it's got first name, last name, and email the first time you ever go to put a, f- a name that isn't your own in there it's like in your head you're thinking that I don't know a hand's going to reach through the screen and slap you or mm. the police are going to rock up at your door and knock on the door and say sir I'd, we've, we've got reports that you gave a fake name for an ebook sign up
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's yeah. just not going to happen and, mm. and, and you, you don't need to be putting that kind of information out on the internet where it's probably going to be breached mm. and people are going to, people can use that If they get that information, they can use that against you.
1: So I guess you have to do a bit of mental gymnastics and be like, yeah, don't give me my real name. But then if you're using something like Chrome, which you shouldn't use, um, it will save your first name, last name, all these preferences. So once you've put Testy McTesterson of Testville, Taiwan, postcode 11011, every time you start filling out a form, it will just suggest, oh, why don't you be just Testy McTesterson? (laughs) Which is, yeah, funnily enough, the one I So, used,
0: if you want like to it? find Joe, uh, look, look up on have I been Poned" for texting McSesterson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. But um, speaking of have I been phoned and data breaches, there was a massive dump. In, I think it was last week where nearly 773 million email accounts were exposed in a massive data breach.
1: It was known as Collection 1, and apparently the data didn't come from a single source or site or company, but it's an aggregation of cracked passwords and, well, that includes cracked passwords so you can check if you've been affected on haveibeenpwned.com and pwned spelled P-W-N-E-D
0: um, so yeah if, if you go over to haveibeenpwned and you find that you have been breached and look it's it's likely that you have a couple of my old accounts were even in there um, and it, it, it they don't really have a lot of information about where a lot of this stuff is attributed to yet so it'll generally just say uh, this it's come from this part of the dump or that part of the dump yeah look if you use the same password password. password for most things and especially if that password involves your bank account or your credit card or any account that's important to you go to have i been pwned check it out and uh yeah really worth changing all your passwords
1: Mm. Uh, interesting there's a there's a tab on the website uh of have i been pwned called passwords so you can actually type in you know your commonly used passwords um and if one has been seen on one of these databases it'll suggest that you'd you know, better, better try a different password. If I'm a hacker and I find this massive list of passwords, you can create a text document with common passwords and then you just brute force those on logins. Yeah. And you just run them all past certain things and yeah. And hackers so, have
0: programs for this kind of stuff too. There's there's a bunch of programs out there where they can feed in these the, the details. They can feed in, the, feed in the emails, feed in the passwords and then it will just run, essentially crawl over the net and just try and log in wherever it can.
1: And it's not worth trying to play into these geniuses' hats. You've just Mm. got to respect them and, yeah, just,
0: yeah. Change your passwords. Yeah.
1: Following from this, venture capital investments in cybersecurity have hit record highs in 2018.
0: So this is from darkreading.com, and according to new data from the Strategic Cyber Ventures, It shows that venture capital investments and average deal sizes involving cybersecurity firms both reached record highs. Uh, So for example, VC funding in 2018 for cybersecurity was around about $5.3 billion for cybersecurity companies, which is a whopping 81% higher uh, in 2016 when they actually witnessed a slowdown. And uh, the number of deals in 2018, which was 332, was slightly lower than the 345 deals in 2017, but the deal size was a lot bigger.
1: Just, yeah, lots of of things are happening, basically. Mm, Yeah. Cyber is needing security. You can get paid for for your hacking
0: skills. Yeah, you can. So Tesla has uh, introduced a bug bounty for their Model Three, and the the reward for fulfilling the requirements of their bug bounty is that you get your own Model Three. So um, I've been secretly learning how to hack because uh, I want my own Model Three. No, not really.
1: So electric. Uh, so Tesla. Um, they said they're partnering with Pwn2Own, which is a hacking contest. Um, well, organizers of a hacking contest in order to help them find security issues in its cars. So they'll partner in the bug bounty program and the first person to identify a serious security issue in their vehicle will be awarded a Model 3.
0: So hackers can win prize money between 35000 to 250000 by discovering vulnerabilities in the car's software. Those who can identify a previously unreported bug can expect reward money between $100 and $15,000 while successful researchers' names will feature on Tesla's official website's Hall of Fame, which uh, knowing Elon will probably be launched into space or something, yeah. <laughs> put up in lights above the earth or on the moon or something. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you are a budding hacker and you want to win uh, model three, Participate in this contest and I'd be happy to share your Model 3 with you. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) What a time to be alive. Yeah. geez, there's been some really cool news this, this week, hasn't there? We're not going to have a really set feature for this week simply because there was just so much cool news and we thought rather than... Picking a really long feature, we just dig into all the news,
1: and then it gets even better. Yeah, imagine you wake up on a space station. You get out of bed, you go out of your room, you get in a lift, you go up a floor, ten floors. You get out and you go to a bar. You sit down, you order a whiskey. You sh- you know you you sort of swirl it round, look at the ice cube as it moves round. Then you go out. you see a bustling city around you you see brands you see companies you see spaceships flying through the air you get into a spaceship which is yours and you fly out into the universe now this is just a tiny descriptor of the beginning of what is possible with this massive space uh, multiplayer game that you can play with your friends right now and Matt's been excited about it for a really long time. So let's get into it. Star Citizen. This is a massive multiplayer space simulator. You've got a whole solar system, you've got the sunrise, sunset, you've got spaceships. You can you when you die, you get sent back to the start point. You gotta get your spaceship again. You can Travel at hyperspeed and all that sort of thing. You've got cities. Every planet has detail. A lot of it's being generated by a computer, but using very clever—they call it procedural generation. So yeah. here's what a city needs: generate a few of these. People, are, you can watch on YouTube. People are discovering new things on new planets. There's a massive ecosystem, and I'm not doing it justice. Let's start by talking about the guy who created this thing. His name is what is it, Chris Roberts?
0: Yeah. So his name's Chris Roberts, and he is the creator of the Wing Commander series. So if you were around in the '90s, even if you were just a little kid like me, um, you probably would have come across Wing Commander. And Wing Commander was essentially like the space fighter game had a massive storyline. It was, pro- I think, it was the first game to use movie cutscenes within the game. Uh, so you remember back. When Games used to have like real live action movie scenes well that first started with Wing Commander and he brought on a whole bunch of actors Mark Hamill was one of the big ones from uh, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars that's who Mark Hamill is and a bunch of other people and it was I think it was Wing Commander 1, 2, 3 and 4 and it was a big deal uh, he also made Starlancer and Freelancer. Now, Freelancer was the game that I really cut my teeth on. It was basically an open-ended space sim that just grew too big and was too ambitious for the time. So it, was, it, it, it came out in around 2003 and it was it was bought by Microsoft. He, Chris Roberts was told to finish the game. They eventually released it. And it just fell a, a long way short of his vision, which was this massive universe, with a whole bunch of planets, solar system, ships. You'd be able to walk around, fly ships, all sorts of different things, be a pirate, trader, blah, blah, blah.
1: So Chris Roberts gets his company bought out. They force him to release the game earlier than he wanted to. Yeah. And this guy's like an absolute visionary. He, uh, he created some of these massive franchises or series of games and created a lot of these massive things. But then he gets frustrated that he can't, do what his vision is and the technology isn't there yet and he's super frustrated so he actually didn't he dive into
0: cinema yeah so he basically said well I can't the technology is not here yet for games but there's some really cool things happening in cinema and maybe I can learn a lot from them so he went to Hollywood and ended up producing some some quite good movies. One of them was Lord of Lord of War. Amazing film. Which is a really good film. Um, another one was Lucky Number Slevin. Yep. Uh, there was a, I think Outlander he, he produced he as well which is quite well known. Uh, I think it was executive producer on The Punisher too. Right. So a uh, number of different films and so he basically just abandoned games and went and did that. And uh, that was the last a lot of us heard from him for a long time.
1: But you'd been an ardent follower and I, I guess you'd <laughs> kept your ear out. Things went quiet for a while but then you Got pretty excited about something. What was that? Yeah, so
0: in 2012, uh, there was this. I was just browsing the internet as you do, and somewhere on Reddit, I found someone talking about the fact that Chris Roberts had re emerged and he was teasing this new project that he basically didn't give any information on at all. It was just like, we're going to have a live stream on the 10th of the 10th, 2012. And that was, I think, a couple of months away. 2012. 2012. So, so six and a half years ago. You had to register for this live stream and to register, you got this golden ticket. So, it was kind of like this Willy Wonka kind of deal where it was (laughs) meant to be really special. And uh, so, I was, of course, I was like, it's... People were kind of debating on what it was going to be. Some were like, it's going to be another wing commander. Others are going to be, it's like another freelancer. And freelance was what I wanted because uh, I just... It was my favourite ever game. It was incredible. Um, and it teased so much of what could be possible if we had the technology. And yeah, so t- 10th of the 10th rolled around and the live stream started with this, I think it was about a five minute video of this massive spaceship flying through space, all these people jumping on spaceships, these other people attacking them from behind asteroids and this massive battle. And it just looked incredible. And then Chris Roberts came out on stage. It was this like, announcement with a little live audience and he was like i went away for 10 years technology wasn't there but technology's there now i'm back we're going to build the most complete game that's ever been built in the history of gaming but we're not going to do it how everyone else builds games we're going to crowdsource this whole thing
1: wow so how much money did they raise
0: so they raised uh six million in the initial crowd fund uh, which was at the time was the largest crowdfund ever done for like online. Wow. And and uh, and at the end of that, they said, okay, we've done this $6 million crowdfund. We've had all these stretch goals. We've now decided we're going to do a massively multiplayer open universe with completely realistic ships, FES combat, all sorts of different things. Should we keep the crowdfund going or should we just use the money we've got? Keeping in mind that if we keep the crowd fund going, we can do more, we can go for longer, we can make a better game. The community elected to keep the crowd fund going, and so the crowd fund's still going today. Wow. And I think they've raised about 170, 180 million dollars wow. uh, by now. But it was just. The, pe- not many people knew about it at the start even during the Kickstarter, of it as more and more people found out about it and saw what they were trying to do more and more people started backing it
1: from what I've, I've, I've heard and what I've seen is that they publish everything's really transparent so they're doing like what weekly or monthly reports is it
0: yeah so they do a big quarterly report they used to do monthly reports but I think it's a quarterly report now but they release the the timelines and the essentially the agile chart mm. I guess Every week To oh, say yeah. this is where We're up to with things And give percentages And all that kind of stuff It's, it's been really interesting Being a backer of this game Like I backed Right at the very beginning And uh, and then I've put More money in You since. almost
1: gave up At a point didn't
0: you I did yeah Because it's, it's taken so long And they actually had A lot of frustrations With the technology They chose an engine That seemed really good at the time but in hindsight they probably should have used a different engine and so they've had to basically do a complete rebuild of that engine Um, they've had a studio they used to do a part of the game folded and it turned out the tech that they built just wasn't what they were meant to build and there's just all these different things that have happened and it's probably stuff that happens with every single game studio but you never hear about that because it's always behind closed doors Mm -hmm. whereas because this has been completely out in the open you've kind of got to see a live version of game development but not just a live version of any game a live Mm -hmm. version of the most ambitious game in the history of gaming um, and uh, and so it's it's that's been really interesting, and so it it has been what nearly six and a half years of development since it started. Um, but things are really starting to come together now, in a in a in a really incredible way.
1: It's been in open beta for a couple of years now. Alpha, alpha. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's still in alpha mode. Still so in alpha. Lot yeah. In progress, but there's been a lot of. I mean, I first saw gameplay when you showed me probably a year ago now yeah. maybe a bit over a year ago and it looked incredible this is a triple a you fly a, a realistic looking spacecraft through space yeah. and it looked amazing absolutely incredible planets and you can you see you know other planets in the distance and everything's around but What's happened between then and now? I mean, as far mm. as being able to play it.
0: Okay, so yeah, there's been the, the the big challenges for the game have really been technological more than anything else. So, the whole idea of this open universe game was that there'd be no cutscenes, for example. So that that everything would be. Uh, happening completely on the same server. Solar systems would be you know, planets would be spinning around the Suns, they'd have realistic orbits that corresponded to realistic physics. Then um, and that so that'd be gravitational pull mo- modelled, for example, and then these there'd be stations orbiting planets and they'd have gravitational pull and they'd all be to scale too. So the 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 there's only one solar system in star system at the moment and there's about 40 planned. And the reason that it's taken so long is because they've taken a tech first approach which is why it's been such a fascinating project to watch because they haven't cut any corners chris roberts is uh is a perfectionist in many ways and that's part of the reason why he brought his brother on um to run a studio in the uk building this game as well because his brother's kind of the yin to his yang and kind of keeps him in check a little bit more but Chris Roberts said at the very beginning you know we want for example a ship if a ship is going to fly it should have all the components modelled within the game which make it fly the engine should physically fire um, so the you know the pistons or whatever in the engine should actually fire it should actually have to take on combustible liquid to fuel the engine and there should be pipes running through the ship and electrical wiring that you could cut if you yeah. wanted to and etc cetera, etc cetera. so he's
1: cutting no corners he's not just getting a 3D model to move from A to B it's a model that consists of a bunch of parts.
0: Yeah, and, and some of the problems with that were problems that you couldn't have even foreseen before they started building it. So there was this whole big issue of, the, of player models, okay? So the way that player models work in every other game is the camera's actually mounted like on the chest. Right. And and the, the head is kind of just this appendage that they, they render in. But, yeah. um, but a lot of games, especially single-player games, if you were to look back on the model... If it was a first-person game, you wouldn't even see the head because they don't actually model it, and the they cut a lot of corners and they kind of cheat in the way they model the physics mm. of these models. And you'll see it, and you won't see it in a lot of other games. But behind the scenes, they're cheating. It's not real physics. There's all sorts of different problems with that so, but, so Chris Roberts from the outset said no the camera will be in the head the body will be modelled using physics there'll be proper locomotion um, all these other different things but the bi- one of the big problems they faced was when they mounted the camera in the head and they, they built this whole physics system um, and the, the character moved properly the head would move and so when you were when, and, and so in an early version of this, this alpha you'd walk around and your head had to be moving and everyone was getting sick wow because this head was bobbing from side to side and so what every normal person would do would be say well okay we just got to cheat a little bit we just got to make the camera work but Chris Roberts says no that's not enough we need to build a mechanism like what we have in our human brains uh, and eyes to to level out this movement. So when you when you walk, for example, in real life, your head is kind of moving and bobbing, but you but you don't. Your mind kind of counterbalances that, and you, your vision still kind of stays the same. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you sick. Mm. Um, and so that they built the technology for that into the game. And so now, when you move around in the game, you, your head doesn't move around. But it's not because they've cheated. It's because they've they actually made things more in depth. And uh, that was just mirrored across the board. Like in so many different areas, there were all these different things where this vision of a, of a completely physical simulation looked like it wasn't going to come to fruition. People were like, can you just get on with building the content of the game and stop spending all your time building this engine? But Chris Roberts' response was like, we're building a game for the next 20, 30 years. You know, when we need to get this tech right because once we've got the foundations right, everything else will follow. And um, you can go look it up. They had, a, they had a big issue with getting the ships to work properly in, in simulated gravity because most games that have ships in them, it's kind of like on a wire. It doesn't mm. really work the way it should. But every thruster in the game, every sm- from the small thrusters to the massive ones, all works on, on real physics and it, it all has to fire on different degrees to, to move the ship around. And you can actually see that happening when you move these ships.
1: So what we're looking at is an architectural m- masterpiece, yeah. which is would be a spaceship, within an architectural masterpiece, which is the game, the framework for this to run on. Now, yeah. let's just look at what players can do now. Yeah. Um, cause I've seen a couple of things I'd really like to chat about and then let's talk about where this is heading yep. and what's possible and what this means for just games as a whole and what people will start demanding. So just first off, you showed me some clips today. I saw a couple of things. Firstly, you can fit 20 different people in. So let's say you get in a spaceship. Yeah. Uh, you're on some space port that's floating around a moon or something ridiculous. Yep. You get into your spaceship, which you retrieve from the storage thing. Yeah. You get in, you get 20 of your mates to get in your thing. Yeah. You fly around, all your mates can look, walk around your thing while you're moving around this universe, and they can look out of windows, and they're actually there. Yeah. And then you can get out and have a zero-gravity fight on a abandoned space station with some other people, and there. there are chairs floating around, and... Tell us a bit about what you can do in this game Okay, and then transform that into what's going to be possible.
0: Yeah, so, okay, let's take that example then. So let's say you've got 20 people and you want to go have a 10 versus 10 fight on this zero gravity planet. Yeah. so you all spawn into the game at there's a there's a station that everyone spawns at at the moment just a
1: quick one what yeah. is
0: spawning spawning is kind of like appearing in the right, game right, so right. and if you die in the game you'll spawn back somewhere
1: right Right. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah so it's it's kind of where you appear um so everyone would spawn in at this station and you actually wake up in a bed when you first wow. so you get out of bed and uh and then you've got to go down to the station and you can go to the console and call your ship at the moment and your ship is physically stored somewhere on this station and it'll kind of shoot out of its storage and pop up onto a deck somewhere um, which is really cool in and of itself. So then let's say you've got all 20 people and they're in your organisation. So they've got organisation structures within this game already the social features are really fleshed out which is which is really cool to have mm-hmm. so you'd say to everyone, okay let's meet at my Constellation. So a Constellation's a ship, I've got one it's kind of like the Millennium Falcon of wow. the Star Citizen world at the moment. Um, so it's got a it's got a couple of turrets. It's got three pilot seats at the front. It's got a big cargo bay. And it's got a number of other seats. It's even got a toilet in there and a little bathroom and all sorts of different things. Wow. Um, so. You could say, okay, let's all go out to the landing pad. And so, you'd, first of all, before you even went out to the landing pad, you have to make sure you had your uh, inner suit on, right? Which is completely sealed because you've got an ox- you've got oxygen and you've got heart rate and you've got all sort of these all these wow. other things you've got to be concerned about. And w- once you step outside as well, so you cycle the airlock, you walk up to the airlock, you cycle it, it'll it equalize your pressure, and then you go out the other side. Sound will be a lot more muffled because it, you're in, or you won't even the the they still model some of the sounds they say that your suit will interpret what's going on and give you a little bit of sound but it's just so you can actually hear something instead of nothing while you're out in in, in, in complete vacuum um but you're out in complete vacuum so you can hear yourself breathing you can see your air tank remaining so everyone will kind of wander over to the ship and the other thing i should mention too is that everywhere has different levels of gravity so some planets you go on might only have like 0.6 of a a, a standard gravity so earth gravity so if, if you jump out of something that would normally kill you on earth you might just have like a nice soft landing yeah. like you would on the moon or something so I think the gravity on these stations are, is about like 0.8 of a G or something you'd all wander over to the ship and then you'd lower the the um, the cargo bay and everyone could pile in Wow. now one of the big challenges they had was Chris Roberts vision was that people would be able to fly these ships around these big ships And people would be able to walk around in those ships while they're flying through the solar system, you know, hurtling at a a fraction of the speed of light Um, and there wouldn't be any difference. And that's never really been achieved before in 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 a game in like a real game. But yeah, this one you could. So you, you, um, everyone walks in, th- seats go up, a couple of people can get in the turrets, other people can get in the seats and someone gets in the pilot. And then you retract your landing gear up, you get, and you then have to put in where you want to go on your navigation and you shoot off. And everyone can be walking around your ship while you shoot off. They can look outside. And then, you know, eventually you'll, you'll end up at one of these stations. So you, you spin up your, like a lot of quantum drive, and then you fly to this station. Right. Then what happens is you say, okay, well, everyone needs to get out. And so you can back your ship up to the back of this station, which is in vacuum. So it's been breached. There's no air left in it. And that's what this, you know, this for, for this example, the station is. It's like a station that used to have people in it and then pirates came and shot it up. And so the whole thing's exposed to vacuum and everyone died. And so you can oh, like yeah. go into this station that used to be used. But then, yeah, they can open the airlock and everyone goes out, but you're then flying in zero G with your suit. So your suits have these little thrusters on them that fire for the different directions you wanna go in. And you could set, you know, people up on one side of the station, uh, team of 10 on one side of the station, team of 10 on the other side of the station, and you could all juke it out. Mm-hmm. But when you're in zero G, as you saw when you watched this video, uh, it's not just the bottom angles you've got to worry about. It's all the different angles.
1: Mm, so when you go around a corner, don't look at the floor, look everywhere.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and they've modeled. So this is a thing. Like You can get in a, a, a spaceship and fly it with your joystick and do all the crazy spaceship things, but then you jump out and you're in a fully modeled first-person shooter mode. With guns and med packs and and you know if you if you can get breached and you can lose air and all this sort of thing. Um, so,
1: is there anything like so if I'm just like flying my, my jets around? Can can you fight with other spacecraft?
0: Definitely. Yeah, and that was the first mode that they ever released was um, was the dogfighting wow. uh, mode. And yeah, there's all sorts of different s- spacecraft you can fight with. The Gs are fully realistic as well. So if you pull too many lateral Gs mm-hmm. um, or is it... Yeah, I think it's lateral Gs are the, are the worst ones. Um, let's say you get up to like seven or eight Gs, your vision will start to blur. Wow. If you, if you And that's like if you turn too tight of a corner or something. Mm-hmm. If you continue to pull those Gs, you'll black out.
1: Wow,
0: um, and it's modelled the the effect of the G's on the human body, and um, so you gotta be really careful when you're dogfighting that you don't try and do too much, um, or. You, you'll black out
1: oh. so this game is not designed for you to just play by yourself I mean there is a single player element that I've seen it's almost maybe a separate thing to that
0: yeah there's a, there's a campaign that they're going to release right. called Squadron 42 and they got Mark Hamill back and a bunch wow. of other people back got some quite famous actors actually to do uh, motion capture Right. and because one of the things in this game that they've done is that you can actually turn your webcam on and your character's face will mimic wow. what you're doing on your face um, so wow. they've set up mocap um, technology on it, but they're going to use that for the campaign as well. And uh, you can go and watch some trailers now of some of these people, like giving a speech, for example. And it might be Mark Hamill's voice and his facial f- expressions, but they've modeled on a different character. Uh, and, and the gra- uh, the graphics too are just beautiful. Uh, you, you you saw some of them in this in this clip. Beautiful just,
1: planets in the background. You've got you fly towards a planet, you see craters, and then. So much detail that comes mm. up, and then you land a bunch of spaceships. And all the spaceships have they're not just pristine models, they've got some debt or some you know, use. it doesn't look like some fresh 3D model. And then they have their lights pulsing when they're parked, and mm. all kinds of things. And you
0: actually saw it, you watched it go from night to day on one of the videos. That we were insane! Watching. And
1: this is on one planet in a massive system. Um, is there VR
0: support? There's rudimentary VR support. I think it's not officially supported yet, but that's completely planned down the line.
1: So it looks like this game is built for you being with your mates and going around this solar system. What kind of economics is there? What kind of stuff is there to do as a team? And yeah. What is the, at least what is the plan for those teams as well? Because I, I saw some stuff about mining companies on there. Yeah. But I have no idea what, what is this all about.
0: So you can actually mine now. There, are, there's, a, there's a ship that will let you mine. You can you can go find some asteroids, and there's a bunch of asteroids in this system, and there will be more in the the bigger game as well. But you can mine for resources. You cut chunks out of these these rocks, and you can find different resources. And there's a whole system for that that they're building. Um, and then you 'll be able to sell that I think that there 's a rudimentary commodities market at the moment, but wow. it'll be it'll be fully fledged by the time the game comes out um, there's all sorts of different missions they 've put in there now so there's um, there's delivery missions there's you hunt down criminals, you clear out stations there 's all sorts of different things that they 've got. Um, And then I think there's even some exploration missions in there too. Um, And yeah, you can take people on your ship. A lot of the really interesting stuff I've been seeing recently is from a couple of streamers who are setting up basically like 50, 60 man engagements with all sorts of different types of ships. And uh, Joe's actually bringing up one of those ships right now on the screen, which is called a Hammerhead, which is... I think the biggest ship in the game at the moment, uh, which has a bunch of turrets on it, it fits a whole bunch of people, and you can have everyone essentially walking around this massive capital ship while it's flying.
1: Sheesh. And then you showed me this massive one. Is that the... the...
0: That's a different one there. That's the uh, Idris, which is like a proper capital ship.
1: And yeah. so that's something that's in development. So th- th- it looks like they're going to be massive organizations and clans that are going to end up appearing and warring and having economies and stuff. Well, yeah. how big was that big ship? Because this is all going to be real stuff that you can use in game with hundreds of people.
0: Yeah, uh, that that big one is is hundreds of meters long uh, and wow. the number of decks high. You can fit a whole number of a whole bunch of smaller ships in it and uh that was the big technological challenge they had to surmount in making the game and they're almost there and it's why they focus on tech first is that to have say a hundred people on a ship moving shooting through space and to have the ship you know if you're flying past it and you know you're you're say you're a thousand meters away Mm -hmm. um you have to see that ship shooting past but the 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 engine has to be able to handle not only those two ships shooting past each other at a fraction of the speed of light and rendering them to each other, but it also has to keep all the, those people walking around on that ship localized to that ship, you know, and, and, and essentially have them having their own experiences and it'll feel like they're just on it because it'll, to them it'll feel like they're stationary because mm. that's what it feels like when you're traveling like on a train at, 150 kilometers an hour, you don't feel like you're um, – like you can't feel the wind wind whipping your hair and you don't feel like you're flying through the air. You just feel like you're on – it's almost like you're on mm. nothing. It's almost like you're just stationary because your velocity is relative to that vehicle. And so they've had to render all that and render all that on a big scale and have people that come close – have that all work flawlessly with no loading screens, and it's just people said they weren't going to be able to do it. There are a number of people that said there is no way you can do this on a multiplayer game running on the internet. There's just no way, and uh, they're using it, this technology called um, Amazon Lumberyard, and they, it, it's. I think they're also using something called Object Container Streaming from right. Amazon, and uh, it wasn't really designed for what they're using it to do now but it's at the point now where it's actually starting to work.
1: So they're using cloud services from, you know, whether it's Amazon and, um, to support massive amounts of users. Yeah. And because this is going to be – this is people all around the world yeah. can be jumping in on this or how will that, how does that sort of work?
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, th- I think at the moment there's three different regions. There's US, Europe and Australia. Right, that makes I, sense. I think the eventual intention is to try and amalgamate them as much as they can mm-hmm. and just have kind of localised areas and work the pings out somehow. But that's still a, a, a fair way off. Um, but th- their goal is to have basically unlimited people in the region without it lagging everywhere and and struggling like you see with most games. That's what happens. And their the goal with using Amazon, who are essentially at the forefront of server technology, was that that was their best bet to work with. And they've done a lot of the work themselves, but that mm-hmm. was the best bet for them to work with. Um, to get this to work and and you can watch videos now where they've got 60 70 people in the same place and there's minimal lag minimal rubber banding all that kind of stuff and the the render distances are incredible Um, so they really are building something that is designed to be a complete world
1: it's absolutely insane I mean It's such a technological challenge and it's just the right sort of people to be building it because it's people who aren't cutting corners to try and work to budgets. Well, obviously they have to work to budgets, but I mean, they've got, you know, it's a massive world, there's massive maps, there's galaxies, there's all kinds of things, planets spinning around other things and other things spinning around Even the
0: orbital mechanics, like they've they've made sure that they built the orbital mechanics from the ground up to be completely accurate, which is just incredible and at the moment you can only visit one system but what they've actually done and and this is just across the board they take this approach they said okay we could spend a whole bunch of time building say 40 systems Mm -hmm. or we could spend a little less time building and we could handcraft them or we could spend a little bit less time build 40 systems or a bunch more doing like what no man's sky or elite dangerous did which is kind of like do procedural generation but everything's kind of a little bit samey Just, once you go yeah. to a few things and it's not... And, and it's not... The planets aren't that big and, you know, it's yeah. not that special. But they've taken this kind of hybrid approach where they're building a huge amount of assets and they're actually building algorithms and programming them as much as they can to work out what sensible architecture and structure of building looks like. So, like, what, what does... How does a small town work? How does a small settlement work?
1: So it's like you don't have two hospitals next to each other. Or yeah, another?
0: yeah, and like a train. So, so there's a city now called Louisville in the in the game, or I think it's a planet, but they've got a landing zone there now, where there's a complete subway system which they've procedurally generated through wow. the city. Um,
1: so that means no very little human input.
0: Very little human input. That they kind of. They've still done some human input into that particular system because it's the first one. But their goal is to essentially set a whole number of parameters and then have the computer generate something unique but sensible in the parameters they've given it. And then they can just kind of go in and edit what they need to edit. So you've
1: got real-life players. You and I can jump into this game. Are there other characters? Because it's such a big world. It'd be very boring if there's only a couple
0: hundred people playing yes they've actually they partnered with um, and I'm blanking on the name at the moment a company who's specialised in building an AI wow Uh, so AI intelligence and they essentially said that we want you to use your technology to help build our AI but we similar to everything else we're doing we want you to build that from the ground up we want you to build an AI that understands all these different commands kind of like almost like it's purpose in a way and train it for the next few years while we build the rest of the game to get to a point where when the time comes, we can roll out a whole bunch of different NPCs and have them respond to their environment, have them respond to whatever roles need to be in a community and all this this kind of stuff. And so the goal is to have AI crew, for example. So if I wanted to take my Constellation out, which I think is like a four to seven person ship with a whole bunch of cargo i could go to the bar on a planet like kind of like what luke and everyone doing star wars and say we need a crew you know i've got a ship need a crew um and you could hire npcs to come on that crew and do different jobs for you and they would act quite reasonably mm-hmm. they'd kind of do what you need them to do and you'd pay them and all that kind of thing and and uh yeah they are beginning to populate a lot of the world now with npcs but they're they're still teaching them a lot of the stuff. So, they're not there yet. Each different system will have its own market. They've accounted for, like, the realities of space travel. They will have these, like, gates, which you can travel between systems in. Right. But the communications, essentially, you'll have to have, like, a ship that goes from one system to another and then broadcasts, like, all the news and all the new messages. And then just send a response. It'll have to... Go from that one, it'll have to wait. For, first of all, have to wait for light speed to send the messages out to where they need to be and then yeah. wait for the returns, which could take an hour or two. And then it'll have to jump back through that system into the other system and then send the transmission back out into that one.
1: Wow. So,
0: yeah, they're kind of saying if news breaks somewhere in one system or if an event happens, it'll take a while for it to filter out to all the other systems because it's got to, you know, account for light speed. It's got to account for jumping through these things and, yeah.
1: Mate, this thing looks enormous. Like, I'm just looking at the economic concepts of this. So yeah. it looks like, to me, this game is being built for at least, it's going to be, from what I'm I'm seeing, it looks like it's going to be the game that a lot of the space simulator fans are going to be playing for the next decade or two,
0: yeah, a decade the, easily, and I, I dare say it's going to be the game that a lot of other genre fans play for the next decade or two as well, because the FPS, the first-person shooting element of this game, is unlike anything else you'll ever play, and it's it's better. Like it's more mm. realistic. The zero G stuff's incredible, but <laughs> the fact that these orgs are going to be able to like drop hundreds of troops at once on planet-wide battlefields, and so I haven't even got. There's so much I haven't even gone into, but mm-hmm. there's a. They've already got modular uh, habitation, which you can set up now on planets, yeah. and the the goal of that is to eventually expand that system into the into being able to set up small settlements organizations will be able to set up their own headquarters on asteroids planets whatever else and down the track they'll be you'll be able to attack them and, and loot them and all sorts of different so the the, the scope of what's going to be possible, Is incredible because then yeah you've got the economic system, the the level of immersion and detail in this as well makes me suspect that a number of our real world use cases for like VR technology for example may spring from this game Mm. simply because of the degree of detail they're building this game in the 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 economy of this game is going to have um, the level of detail everything so. Yeah, the the scope of it is just breathtaking.
1: It feels like a cult classic that hasn't been released. I mean, I'm seeing this diagram of the economy. You've got the population node. They need food, water, you know, building materials. They feed out workers so they can work in, you know, Mines or, or or other sort of things, and then machinery is needed for the mines. Mines make ore, machinery, and ore go into these refineries that builds other things. Factories make widgets, and that's just for making widgets.
0: And and that's 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 a chart. So at each stage of that, you would have NPCs sending out missions to players to to bring that that equipment to them wow. to fulfill the different chunks. So it's their the goal with that is to have essentially emergent and non-linear mission giving.
1: Hydrocarbons, ores, magnetics, you've got circuits, processes, all kinds of ex- like massive concepts.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend for anyone that, that is curious about any of this stuff, go on the Star Citizen website and we'll put the link in the show notes and there's also a wiki and a tools um, which we'll put in as well. There is a breathtaking amount of information for this game on their website, on, on their wiki. There, there's there been so much material released. This is the beauty of having a crowdfunded game um, is that they've been accountable to the community from the very beginning and they've been releasing all sorts of material to the community from the very beginning.
1: And the exciting thing is you can watch and see what we're talking about right now. Go on YouTube, search Star Citizen and you if you, your jaw doesn't drop with the capability of these graphics then you're probably a gamer already but <laughs> even then it's such a marvel to see what's being built.
0: yeah and, and so it, it is available to, to play now. Um, you can get in the game for I think about uh, it's about $45 dollars um, but we'll put a uh, we'll put a referral code in the game I think you get a discount with the code. Um, it'll be one of our codes so you can support us a little bit as well if you use that. But, uh, yeah, we're probably going to, um, begin doing, you know, an event or something in this every now and then. Um, so if you want to play with us, uh, definitely let us know cause we, mm. we, we, will be playing this a bit.
1: So that starts star citizen. Um, Incredible potential, so much yep. that there is there, and we're sort of not doing justice to the years that you've you've been watching this for <laughs> with keenly, but really exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, and it, like it's playable now. That's the thing. There's there is so much you can do now, um, and 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 I mean, I got it. Um, I I got it running on Linux a few days ago as well. So I'm, oh. I'm now. It shouldn't really run on it yet because I haven't really done any work on it. But um, but yeah, it's it, they've, they've built it that well that it can run on a, a system it's not specifically designed for just yet. So I, I could talk for hours about this game and Joe's got a video playing right now of um, some new gameplay footage they brought out of one of the different landing zones. But there is so much of that around. There's a wealth of stuff uh, out there I'd recommend go checking it out if you're at all interested in technology, even if you're not interested in gaming, the technological feat that this game represents is uh is just incredible. Star Citizen. Star Citizen. It's when-
1: impossible though. What they're building the because
0: I was just like that I was like maybe when I'm 40, but they are like their goal is to make it as immersive as they possibly can.
1: Can you take a glass of whiskey onto a onto a spaceship
0: though? That's the question. Oh I reckon you can stock your you could stock your cabinet with oh man i'm so i just i'm so stoked that you're excited about it mate i are buying. i've been so like, excited about this for so long
1: the thing is like i can't shell out money for something that's not you know like battlefield v i only play battlefield yeah. but i can't play buy that game yeah because it's i'm just not going to get well i am going to get 50 bucks out of, of value out of it but it's just not it's not what i need
0: yeah yeah, whereas this I need this like well this is more than most game you get in most games already. <sighs> and it's so it's true. just in alpha.
1: So we get all the boys.
0: Yes. We're all sitting
1: at home yep. in our own individual homes. Yeah. One we- of us is in VR. Yep. And then we all just have a bit of whiskey, jump on a spaceship and get into a space crash. Go Raider,
0: a go raid a station yeah. or go um, Track down a fugitive, the or amount we go of have a bands battle.
1: Is going to be insane. Dude, It'll give so it, many imagine having time.
0: like two people in a turret, or have two people oh. in separate ships following us. RJK oh, like on the turrets. Somewhere. Yeah,
1: man. It's just. Yeah, he'd be on a little space motorbike, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, mate, it would be so
0: good. Yeah, man. Mate. Ah. Oh. Anyway. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta play some sausage, isn't <laughs> then.
1: Wherever you're joining us from. Pleasure having you here. Why not drop into our Telegram channel to say hello? Uh, it's FOMO.show slash Telegram.
0: So quick uh, privacy and security segment this week. We just wanted to talk a little bit about camera covers. And we thought it was, a, it was a pertinent time to talk about this because both Joe and I now have covers on all of our cameras. So on our phone, on our laptops... And on any webcams we've got. So
1: yeah, you can buy them off eBay, Amazon, or yeah, or just for just a couple dollars. Mm. Probably it costs more in postage than it will in the actual thing. Yeah, it's a little slider that you stick over your mobile phone or laptop camera, and it just covers the selfie cam. Just when you uh, and you can uncover it when you need it. You just slide it open, and it's just nice to be able to retake that bit of control. Over your mobile phone.
0: Yeah, I've got to admit, whenever I looked at my phone, um, I didn't want to put a tape over it because then it gets all like Mm. sticky. Some people stick tape over their cameras and then it gets all sticky and it's just annoying and it doesn't look very good. But whenever I looked at my phone, I'd always feel a little bit weird because the camera was staring back at me. And if if that doesn't weird you out, go watch the movie Snowden Um, (laughs) because it'll weird you out after that. When you find out what most intelligence agencies – the level of access they have to your phones and to your to your other bits of hardware. It's just nice to have something physical that actually covers the camera. Mm. And the good thing about these little flippy things is that you just you, that it's as easy as just pulling your thumb across it and you can use a selfie camera. Let's say you want to take a selfie or whatever, um, but then you just flip it back and you're done. You don't have mm. to worry about it.
1: So peace of mind for $2 or £1.00, 27
0: yeah so we i think we, we put a link in the show notes to one of them it's kind of hard to i'm sure we can find one to put in the show notes so we'll put something in the show notes
1: and yeah on my laptop i just use because i never use a camera on that and i don't even want to skype people on there so um on my laptop yeah i just have a piece of cardboard taped on it but yeah, mobile yeah. phones, these little sliders. Well, I've, got, I've got
0: one on my laptop, oh. and it blends in too, so you don't even notice it. Yeah. But yeah, it just clicks across.
1: I got so I, I, we, I was seeing yours, and then I kept seeing them around the office, and then decided to get some laser engraved with um, our company logo. We yes. just ordered 100 from China.
0: Yours is branded. That's yeah. great. For a cybersecurity firm, that's, that's really good too. Right,
1: yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, but yeah exciting.
0: Awesome. Um, We are looking for ideas for topics. That you'd like to hear about. Yeah, we we just want to put the call out this year to, if there's something you really want to hear us talk about or or circle back around to that we talked about earlier, do let us know uh, because we will try and cover it this year on the show. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, jump into our telegram. If you're excited about something that we've never heard of or you're really excited about, just send it to us. Future news, any of that, ping it over. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, why not share it with them? You can find us at FOMO.show.
0: You can jump on our Telegram at FOMO.show slash Telegram. You
1: can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show.
0: And YouTube at FOMO.show slash YouTube. That's it for us here at the FOMO Show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always remember,
1: no FOMO. No discovered No. <laughs> so you know how dude, I so think, you've
0: stopped energy drinks. I've, I've come off energy drinks fully. No I
1: discovered that you can get a pill that delivers the same amount of caffeine as a coffee, but it's so good.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, don't. Yeah, I, people can get real whacked out on that stuff.
1: So, I just realised YouTube yeah. have been completely neglected because my computer's been packed until yesterday. Oh. haven't been able to render the videos. Yeah. So, if you listen or whatever on YouTube, I'm so sorry. It's going to be a while until you get the next one, but...
0: You're listening to the past in the future.
1: Oh, now I've just completely screwed up. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. What do you reckon of that? It's nice. Yeah, very it's Very tasty. Eye. What's this Captain it's a Morgan... Rum. So so it's private stock. Is this the one one. you
1: got in Japan? Mate, you should not have pulled me this. No, man. I feel like I'm...
0: No, it's... Mate. It wasn't wasn't a lot anyway. But you you don't need a lot. Like, you can sip it and it's just got so many Mm. flavours.
1: You can smell it and it's like a Mm. Christmas cake.
0: Mm. 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 You
1: wouldn't want to cook a Christmas cake with this,
0: though. No, you would. It'd be a very happy Christmas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I reckon there need to be tools that show, firstly laws for countries. I've talked about this before, but laws need to be visible so you can see all the laws yeah. in one place without having to click open PDFs or click through website, web pages and all that. They need to be in plain English so you can see them in these like spider diagrams that go off so you get yeah. energy and you can see energy. Whatever, I don't care. It's I'm, I'm pipe dreaming here. But also... Another idea. I'm just so. thinking
0: of all the work that it'd be...
1: Oh, it's way too much. That's why it'd have to be it. crowd-sourced. I've been, crowd funded, crowd, oh dude, crowd I've been like going through the
0: Corpse Act today for, like, securities, the uh, you know, process for mm. security, and it's just... The Corpse Act is a dark, dark place. You do not want to go there. Hey,
1: this is a problem.
0: It, they, it's so complicated. Oh, so complicated.
1: But yeah, so there's that. So you can see references painting, pointing to different yeah, things. Yeah, you yeah. can click through and like explore, and you could have it in via all kinds of things. Yeah. Anyway, so you need that, and it would have to be crowdsourced because yeah. no one could do that alone. Yeah. But you could start it and build the mechanisms for it. That's one thing. The second thing was all government um organisational charts should be online. And... The individual workers can be anonymised, that's fine, Mm. but the manager of teams has to be publicly known. Mm. Why? Why? Because they're a public servant. Mm. And the public pays for them. Yes. And if not, at least knowing the organizational charts for the government so people can actually see wow, there are 930 poli- politicians. Yeah. Wow, there are 6,000 people working in research that we're all paying you for. Yeah. That is. US government shutdown shows the same thing, right?
0: Oh. You know, there's. Yeah, a- we've got to talk about this. We've got to talk about this shutdown. Oh, do no, we? we? No, we do because. <coughs> ah. Yeah! Ah. You don't want to? No. Nah. It's too much politics,
1: but it's...
0: But doesn't it show that things just keep moving on? Yeah, it's like Brexit. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like...
1: We're going to still breathe air and drink
0: water. Was like, it you sent me that article? Yeah, the, the yeah, Trojan yeah, horse yeah, thing. yeah. yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. cool.
1: Kind of cool. But that gave me the idea that we actually need to know how big each department is. Yeah. And then altern- also on that, you know when you've got like diagrams of or like organizational trees? Yeah. Like showing the funding in there as well. So you can be yeah. like... Bleh. This is like... Ugh. So we can like... The people can actually spot corruption mm. and actually voice it because we don't have the tools to yeah. see what's going on. So we yeah. can't actually legitimately raise concerns about our government which we can't even see
0: yeah because our government isn't just the politicians it's all the people that work for yeah
1: it. yeah so we need to know where the money's going and what the value they're doing is yeah you want to know i want to know how many firemen are there how many nurses are there. it's yeah. not up to me to say we need more or less but it'd be good yeah. to
0: know yes it'd be good to know what positions are out there yeah and what departments are yeah. out there and what, what tasks
1: what does the government things? look like
0: yeah i don't know yeah And then we'll find all these
1: bods who didn't even know they... uh, Like, no one else in the government knew that they
0: were even there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't even know that, like, there's three or four buildings in Brisbane, which just look like general corporate buildings, Mm -hmm. full of government. Full of it. Mate. And it's like, what's going on in there? And you work a third of your year. You don't even know where it's going. That's right. I would be more happy to pay tax if I knew where it was going. That's right. Well, I wouldn't be happy. I, but and I would, how much is going in different places. Yeah, and yeah. I would be
1: fuming and people would be fuming and we would do something about it. Yeah. Anyway, that's a problem for that I'm putting out into the universe that I want solved. <laughs> Where are my tax dollars going and how many people can I bomb for that? <laughs> Chemistry that makes them stick to the target. analyte, which form clusters. So the higher the target analyte,
0: uh, <laughs> We're gonna have some great. What bloopers. about generally about ten percent larger than the standard, like the area of a standard mic, which, which is essentially about ten percent. <laughs> uh, the blue science, explaining science, <laughs> science, eh? Um, let's, let's try this again.
1: Delivery drones are using bird-inspired legs. To jump in the into the air. Matt and I are going to watch the video of a takeoff.
0: Yeah, look at that! <laughs> imagine a imagine a big, like imagine that, but like scout up. Full of people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. Secure your belts for takeoff. Have you watched the Expanse? Nah. No. There's so many references I just don't have.
0: You gotta watch the expan-